They're continuing to load in well here for this big group one event. There's a bit of movement from out wide. This will be confirmation from downstairs. Hello, broadcast. Okay. The clerks of the course have been passed fit to start, and Dean and Lewis are in the saddle. The red light goes on. The clerks of the course podcast is set to begin. Ready. And they're off. Chautauqua very late, it's English a half length in front, can he do it? Chautauqua, he's flying, yes! And excellent, but McCarty Diva clear with 100 metres to go, excellent runs to second, Otazun runs on, but a champion becomes a legend, McCarty Diva has won it! G'day everyone and welcome to the very first edition of the Clarks of the Course podcast which hopefully is going to be your new home of everything racing each week you'll be joined by me lewis willoughby and in the co-host chair with me uh not right across from me of course because we're maintaining our social distance at the moment but across from me each week will be new south wales form analyst tips up for his own service called the barrier attendant and all-round great racing man dean watling we're going to be chatting all stuff racing, a bit of banner, a bit of laughs, and we're going to be doing Sydney and Melbourne previews along the way. Now, Dean, as I throw to you for the very first time in our podcasting careers, uh, not only will I get you to tell us a bit of background about yourself for the listeners, but uh, how are we feeling, mate? First podcast, bit of nerves. I know I'm a bit nervous. Had to crack a uh, crack a frothy before we came on air, but uh, how are you feeling, Dino? Yeah, I'm feeling really good. Um, welcome to obviously yourself and the listeners, the punters out there. Um, the old two beer trick went down well. Sells in a good, but no, looking forward to it. Um, always love chatting racing, and it's always good to get a bit of banner out there too. Um, first of all, a little bit of background on myself. Um, I tend to stick to New South Wales form. Um, love to love, love to bet throughout New South Wales. Um, my main betting type, so I like to stick to a black book system where I bet off the trials and off horses uh, from the previous weeks. Um, I've been with the sporting base uh, for the last nine months, and then I just recently stepped out of my own and started my own service called The Barrier Attendant. So that's sort of a quick overview of myself. But, um, yeah, keen to get onto it and keen to rip into this big uh, Ramwick Ram Carlin weekend. That's it, mate. That's it. And punters, as you'll quickly learn, uh, if you need anything, New South Wales form, Dean will 100% be your man. A quick background on myself, I've been working for Best Bets uh, approaching two years now, doing a lot of Melbourne form, so I stick uh, to all the Melbourne stuff as well as in this podcast I'll be doing all the Metro Melbourne stuff. Uh, I do a lot of stuff for Play Up as well. It's an Australian bookmaker. If you haven't heard of them, check them out. They're doing uh, waves in the bookmarking, uh, bookmaking world. And uh, yeah, that's that's about my story. A lot of stuff for for the great tip off as well. Now we've got a cracking first episode coming up. There's uh, it's been a big week, big week uh, in racing. It's always a big week in racing, unfortunately or fortunately. But uh, we're going to be talking about the whip rule. It reared its head uh, again on the weekend, and we're going to having a discussion about it. There's a big card coming up at Randwick. It's Group 1 Winks Stakes Day. We're also going to be looking at some futures bets for the spring. Obviously, first Group 1 of the season coming up this weekend, so no better time to crack into a few futures bets for the big races. We're going to be going through Mooney Valley card. I'll be doing that 
Uh, and we'll wrap up with a few little fun bits as well, a Get Out Stakes Challenge and a $100 Group 1 Challenge. Now, normally at this point of the podcast, Dan, I'd be asking you your thoughts on last week's racing, but because it's our first episode, I want to get your quick thoughts before we move into discussion about the whip rule. Just your quick thoughts on the first Group 1 meeting coming up. How, how's it going to go? Um, it's an interesting Group 1, the first one of the season. Obviously, I think you've got a 11 out of the 15 runners in the Group 1 week stakes first up. Um and you can definitely see the majority of the horses, this isn't their grand final. This is sort of not a target race. So you, you sit on that fence where it's you've got the good horses coming back. Is it their preferred distance? No. Are they good enough? Yes. Um, so it takes for a, a beautiful group one to start us off. We've also got the group three race um, when Funstar returns. But we've had some beautiful weather all week in uh, Sydney. We've It's been hot um, and windy, so we've had perfect drying weather. So hopefully we get to a soft six um by saturday and that that will that will make for a, a cracking day um but yeah keen, keen to get onto it keen to get with first group one see how these horses come back and i think we'll have a lot of winners to come out of the day rather than backing a lot of winners this first up um this first week it's pretty crazy uh when you think of it that we're actually going to have a drier track in sydney this week than we are in melbourne and that's not to offend our melbourne listeners which i'm sure there are plenty but uh, it's about time Sydney got back onto a firmer surface, I reckon. And I also saw another stat. You might have to do a bit of your own research on this one. But of the big races, of uh, the group races coming up at Randwick, uh, it could have been over 50% of them were coming here first up. That's a that's a pretty big thing to keep in consideration when you're doing your form that a lot of the big chances are going to be first up into their preparation, maybe going on to bigger targets, I could say, in the spring. Yeah, definitely a key with tomorrow. You can sort of get this um, overexcitement where you sort of join your your betting uh, mind in with your excitement um, and you can sort of get yourself in a lot of trouble early on in the spring where you sort of got to separate that excitement of the good horses back compared to actual betting prospects. So I think that's a big key tomorrow. I think um, in hindsight, a lot of people will look back on tomorrow, say Sunday morning, and go, oh, I should have probably stayed out of that race, stayed out of that race, waited till the next week. But Sometimes, uh, especially with these group ones, first one of the season, you just like all of this, that punter in us just wants to have a play, wants to have a $5 bet here, $10 bet there, and it just sort of just overcomes you. But yeah, typical of Sydney, peaking on, uh, on our, one of our biggest days. The weather's good, the sun's out, uh, the races are cracking. That's it. always Sydney to pull through. The grass is always greener on the other side, mate, I'll tell you. Now, let's crack into the first topic we're going to be discussing. As I said, it's the whip rule. Read its head on the weekend. Now, this has come about, uh, punters, if we if we were living under a rock, mind you, that uh, on on Saturday at Morfordville, Saturday just been, Morfordville race two, uh, there was a protest, second verse first, and I remember I was watching at the pub, and I saw it came up on the screen. They tell you what the protest has come up for. It said overuse or alleged overuse of the whip. Now, that was second against first. The official winning margin half ahead. Uh, and on counting the strikes, rider Jeffrey Maund, who was the rider of the winner, uh, struck the horse 10 times prior to the last 100 metres. Now, I'll just quickly read out the rule uh, so we're all on the same page of, of how this whip rule works. You're allowed five strikes of the horse prior to the 100 metre mark, and they cannot be in consecutive strides. 
Within the last 100 metres, riders are at their discretion to use the whip however they like. Now, obviously, uh, I think it was the trainer of the of the second horse fired in the protest and it was dismissed. Jeffrey Maund suspended four meetings and fined $1,700. Now, it's read its head because when there's such a small winning margin for what is quite simply a blatant disregard of the rules, the rules are there for a reason, right? It's read its head because people are now arguing, well, is this an upheld protest or or is this rightly dismissed? What were your thoughts on it, Dean, when you uh, first saw it come up on Saturday? Um, I think we all know deep down the right ruling would have been to be upheld, but then you've got to think of the future. The can of worms it would have opened would have been probably catastrophic compared to that one uh, decision around the day. So I think the Seals bit the bullet there. Um, I think the simplest way to put it is it needs to be taken out of the subject of a protest. I don't think you should be allowed to uh, protest on the fact of it. The rule's there, obviously, to protect the image of racing. So when you put it in the spot like that, like that, when it can be challenged, I think that just creates an even bigger or even worse image. So um, I think if I was on the horse, <laughs> I definitely would have uh, been cheering with the with her, uh, with the dismissal, sorry. And then obviously, if I backed against, it, I think we all would have been with the uphill. But what's your take on it? I know a lot of people have a lot of different takes on it, but probably the most um, plausible or the biggest reasoning I've come across over the week after listening all is probably the facts that are stated. Where do you sort of stand on it? Well, you're right in saying that you can't abolish the rule altogether. It protects the image of racing. You're 100% right. Uh, and nor can uh, anyone through, you know, beyond reasonable doubt say that a strike of the whip gives you X amount of length. So if your horse, uh, if you're on the second horse and you've been done half a head, Although you feel, in theory, that you might have should have that overturned, unfortunately, there's there's no uh, well, there's no data or there's no science that says uh, striking your horse one time gives it x amount of length advantage, and that's where the problem comes. My thing is here. So Jeffrey Moore, no offence to him, great South Australian rider, gets suspended four meetings and seventeen hundred bucks. Now, the dip I calculated this earlier. The difference in prize money there between first and second uh, is $18,000. So he's only been fined 9% of the difference between his horse between his him winning and losing. That's a it's a that that's a disgrace. If you think that a 9% difference in prize money is going to deter any rider in in that case of not breaking the rules, it's not. You have to increase the uh, fine and the suspension uh, as a more severe way of deterring the rider from doing it uh, in the future. I think the fact that he only got 1700 bucks in four meetings, costing connections of the other horse uh, you know, a share of $18,000, there's no way that adds up. What do you think? No, I definitely agree with that. I think you need to sort of... I think the way around it is obviously becoming like a bigger fine system, like you said, and um, a bigger fine. Um, meetings missed, more meetings missed, obviously. But I think the key to it would be uh, repeat offenders. I think the one-off ones, I think that's where you can sort of get caught up with. The jockey, say, has the first one in their career and, gonna, and you think, oh, let's, let's throw the book at them. But I think the re-offenders is the, the one that we sort of got to knuckle down on. Say you have one, two or three times you've – 
sort of broke the rules. I think that's when you got to sort of increase the, the fine, increase the suspension. Um, mm. But, yeah, like you said, if you put into figures like that, you can just see how sort of far away we are from perfecting that rule. Yeah, and I think as well uh, that you need to just get rid of the ability to protest. The ability to protest, it's obviously never going to work. If that doesn't get upheld uh, and the beaten margin was half a, half ahead, if that doesn't get upheld, well, then nothing, none of them is going to get upheld. So get rid of the uh, ability to protest. Racing Australia chairman Greg Nichols even came out, uh, I think it might have been this morning, and said, yeah, look, the ability to protest probably going to be abolished because it's just it's never going to work if that's not upheld. Another interesting point was made by uh, jockey Michael Hellier, a good rider up north, who came out and said, I'm going to paraphrase him here, but he came out and said, he said, stewards can't conclude a margin per strike, but riders get longer suspensions for not riding out horses fully through the line, which they also can't determine a margin for. So what he's saying is, and there was a good case um, before with that young bloke from Queensland, Bailey Nordoff, got suspended for three months. Look, maybe that was a rort. I'm not sure, but that's a totally different story. Uh, but he got suspended suspended for three months for not giving his horse every chance or not riding it out fully to the line. But who's to say that, you know, not riding out your horse in the final stages is giving it X margin decrease and costing it spots? He, he, may, he makes a good point there, Michael, I think. Yeah, they're definitely theoretical um, points where you sort of there's no data there's no equation there's no real um, way to 100% determine the factor of it therefore you shouldn't be able to rule on it or if you do rule on it it shouldn't be able to be put into a protest uh, exactly what you said they things that are theoretical they should be made fines and suspensions and they they shouldn't be able to be um, questioned or dictate uh, race after the race is gone so I think we've sort of knuckled it down to the three four key points that I think all of us are sort of thinking need to be changed so mm. hopefully hopefully we see some change oh I hope so too and as connections of the horse that lost or if you're ever in that position uh, if you know that the opposition rider is getting off lightly like this like Jeffrey did you're even more filthy at it if you know he's getting a massive fine and a big suspension, well, not only is it unlikely to do it again, but it also kind of, hey, well, look, your horse still hasn't won. It doesn't fix that issue, but it just puts into a bit of perspective that, yeah, the opposition rider is going to get, you know, flogged for this one um, and he's unlikely to do it again. I think fine suspension increase is a must uh, and, and it honestly it can't happen soon enough. We can't keep having this issue come up in racing, uh, you know, every so often because, as you said at the start, the fact that it protects the image of racing. Well, every time we have a discussion about the whip rule and something regards to the whip, if it makes it to mainstream media, it's going to get negative press again. And unfortunately, that's the last thing racing needs is some more negative press. I'll tell you what, mate, if the stewards ever saw me riding home a few in front of the TV, I'd be suspended for life, mate. That best bets goes against the back of my leg that hard, I'm telling you, and that gives them a margin, and I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> Riding home your winner in front of TV gives it a definite, definite margin. Mate, with that said, let's move on to some big Group 1 racing at Randwick. Uh, it's Group 1 Winks Stakes Day. As we all know, great that uh, the Wonder Mare Winks has a big race like this named in her honour. Uh, look, as of Thursday, it's a soft seven. 
Uh, as you said, sunny and windy all week. As we know, wind is great drying conditions for the track. I don't live too far from Randwick, and I can say that uh, although not warm, definitely windy, definitely sunny. Rail goes in the true, and uh, I've heard you're quite confident on a few here in this meeting. Mate, we're going to go through three of your best bets, and we're going to start off in race number four. Talk us through it. Yeah, race four over the 1,200, uh, the Group 2 Silver Shadow. Um, it's a competitive field. Um, off the trials on first look, I was very keen to be see you soon. Um, hasn't come up the best odds. I think it's rock bottom at the moment. Um, the Barry one's a touch of a query, but gets a 2.5 kilo swing on Dane Gazelle. Um, I think first up's uh, the way to go with this horse. I think uh, 2.8 lengths off away game. Last prep, won very well in that first up win. Trial back this prep have been absolutely outstanding. You go back and watch that trial where uh, she trialed against Dan Gazelle. Um, she really trucked home that last sort of 200 metres under a tight hold. I think uh, Stella Pauline and Dan Gazelle, they were sort of pushed along the 200 to, to find over the last, last say, 50 metres where uh, she was sort of cuddled and um, extended beautifully from the back. The biggest query there, and it's what I'm tossing up in my head between See You Soon and Dame Gazelle, is the map. Um, I'm not sure she can sit closer from Barrier 1, and I think maybe with a rail back in the true at Randwick there Saturday um, could be a bit tricky and a bit of traffic in front of her. Um, I'll mention Dame Gazelle as well. Um, I think there's not much between the two. Um, they've met on three occasions before. Dame Gazelle's been a favourite on three of every one of those occasions. Um, and she has beaten, um, see you soon, two out of three. Barrier nine, I think that's a that's a nice barrier, especially don't think it's a disadvantage at Randwick to draw out wide when the rail's back in the true. Um, can cruise along and find a nice spot probably in the 1-1, just beyond the leaders. Uh, handles a soft track, yes. Um, two trials back have been good. Found the line in that see you soon trial well. Um, Love the way that she responded to the urgings. Um, showed a nice turn of foot. Um, might have to do a touch of early work. I think that's only slight query. If she doesn't jump well, she's going to have to sort of muster a little bit of speed. And over that 1100, that can sort of be a little bit detrimental. Um, I found it very, very hard to split the two, but purely on the map and purely on where they're going to sit, I have to lean the way of Dan Gazelle. I think the market has them too far apart. Um, and they're rock bottom ons at the moment. I'll see you soon. So, Early doors, I'll definitely see you soon. I, I want to get a better price before I back her. So at the current price, um, I sort of I need to be on Dan Gazelle's side, just on the pure on the map. Another one I'll yeah. mention um, at a bit of longer longer odds, who I think can um, impress first up, is September Run. Um, $10 chance at the moment. I've got her rated a lot shorter. J-Mac on. Three lengths off away game last start, uh, last prep, sorry. And beat a horse called Got a Kiss. Um that horse runs second in the JJ Axons to top end now three-year-old Rothfire. So I think it won at odds. That's probably the one. But uh, race four, I'm keen to go with Dane Gazelle. Yeah, look, I, I totally agree with you there. When you had a quick look at those trials that Dane Gazelle and See You Soon came out of, See You Soon's probably the one that catches your eye most because it's getting back and running on strong. But I think the trial of Dame Gazelle was equally as good, just although it doesn't look as impressive to the eye. It just kind of did what it always does, strong, up on the speed, truck through the line well. September run, mate, I really like that at a bit of longer odds there. It's already come in 3% from its opening quote, sitting around that $8 mark at the moment with play up. 
the fact that J-Mac sticks on, two big wins last prep, I thought. Then, as you said, that away game form also is really good. So I like that at a bit of longer odds. But going with Dame Giselle in race four, moving on to your next mate, race five. What are you liking there? Yeah, race five. Um, the group three, um, Shokiani. Um Early thoughts were um, fun stars very hard to beat in this, but the deeper I dove into the form, I think there's one that's at uh, some big odds first up and I'm keen to play. That horse is special reward. Um, gets in with 58 kilos. Abdullah uh, jumps on. Barrier 10, um, I think that's perfect barrier for the horse. Like I said before, I don't think it's a disadvantage for horses to draw wide. At Randwick with the rail true, I think if you're going to say anything, um, you'd sort of say the inside barriers are probably a slight disadvantage. Um Three from three on the soft, um, two from four first up. I think the key stat, if you're a stats man, is um, 10 starts for six wins at the distance, 1,200 metres. Nice prep, last prep, uh, beat a horse called Cascadian. I think that's nice form. Um, Very versatile on the run. I think he can lead if he needs or he can take a sit if he wants. And I think there's huge upside with this boy. I think we didn't see his best last prep. And I think with a nice spell um, and two very quiet trials leading back in, I think he's the way I'm keen to play. I think the soft um, with the distance that I just think he's the way um, I want to sort of play. I'm a bit query out with the track, how this is going to play Saturday. Um, I'd sort of give it a... If we're going off last year, Railback the True, it played a lot leader bias in the spring. Um, but with the current track, it's been playing very fair over the sort of winter months and then the first sort of meetings back in spring. So I think the safe way and I think definitely over the odds at 6.50. I'll mention Funstar. Uh, first up, yes. Soft, yes. Six starts at Randwick. Um, worst placing is second. Um, three wins, three seconds. Probably has the most upside in the race. Um, should sit close enough from Barry Seven, Jay Mac aboard. Um, and for the last start, SPs, um, $3 in a group one. So if you're last start starting price man, that, that's a nice push for you. Um, I think they're the two. I'll mention a one at longer odds. Um, Wild Planet comes up from Melbourne. Um, loved the trial, even though it was pushed along hard, closed beautifully. 1,200, probably a touch short of um, his best. Map's absolutely perfect. Um, handles the soft. Forgive the last start down in Melbourne when put up with poor recovery. So definitely keen to go special reward there. I think that's sort of the pick of my three bets, definitely. Um, fun star, obviously the huge danger, and Wild Planet goes in for third. So special reward there on top for Deno. Mate, can I just quickly get your thoughts on one in the race? Number eight in and up, Glenn Boss, uh, I think is retaining the ride. No, it gets the ride over Brock Ryan last start. It's come in 4% opening quotes, open 16s with some into around, uh, what's it into around now? It's in that $10 mark with play up. It's a pretty big opening push. It's fit from what I can see. What was your take on in and up? Yeah, probably the most underrated horse in the race for sure, probably in the whole card. I think it started for all of its um, eight wins. I think it started over $5 quote. So the market likes to push it out and give you sort of those juicy odds. It's been backed in from 13s, like you said, into 850. I think the biggest thing Saturday, definitely if it was a heavy eight, heavy nine, I think he sort of comes back into the picture. But with this drying track, I just think the other horses around him are classier, better. And I think we'll see that with a dry uh, track rather than if we got that heavy, I think it sort of brings him back into that level. So definitely not without a chance, but sort of 850, you're sort of getting around the odds of um, 
short enough. So I'm keen to sort of play those first up horses, the ones coming back a little bit better, especially on these drawing tracks. Beautiful. And your third and final best bet on the card comes up in race number seven. Is that right? Yeah, race seven, the, um, <clears throat> the big race of the day, the Wink Stakes over the 1,400 metres. Um, what an absolute race that is. I think this will be the biggest or the best Group 1 field we see of the season. Maybe not the best Group 1 race, but the group best Group 1 field for sure. I don't think you'll see any of these horses line up against each other throughout the spring again. Um, they're all sort of going to peel off after this race and target all their sort of um, grand finals. But I think if you pick this race, you're a genius, but you're getting the odds to play, and I think it's just too juicy not to have a have a little crack at. Um, this sort of went in circles and circles in my head, but the horse I landed on, the horse I'm keen to back, is the Matthew Smith trained Fierce Impact. Um, he's a punter's power for a lot of punters out there, I know. I think he's two group ones. He won, I think he um, his SP was $9 and $12, I think. So he definitely comes up over the odds a lot of the time. I think he's the perfect pick between a horse who's going to look for longer, say 2,000 minute plus in his future, uh, this prep, and a horse that sort of comes through that um, the winter period or has a run before this, um, this sort of event. I do concede 1,400 is not his best trip. I think 1,600 is. But the way that Matt Smith spoke on the radio this week was very bullish about how this bloke has come back. Um, handles the sock, perfect. First up record is solid. Um, barrier four, I think he gets a perfect running transit here in behind a nice speed. Um, 1.2 lengths off very elegant Tiako Shark last prep, and he was 0.3 lengths off a horse called Alabama Express over the 1,400 first up last, uh, last prep. I think if you go back and watch the trial, I know he sort of doesn't shoot out of the ground or doesn't do anything special, but after I went through the, all the trials of this field, I think his was the most impressive. The way he found the line, um, the last sort of 200 metres, he really trucked along, really tacked that line on a solid hole, was not let go. Um, at $16, he's way over the odds. I've got him marked around that $10 quote. I think he's the way I'm keen to play it. I'll mention a couple others. Um, very elegant. I'm sort of keen to be against her first up. I think you go back last prep, first up over 1,400 metres. She was very um, disappointing. She obviously improved once she got to that 1,600-metre trip. Um, the Bostonian, um, no official trials. I think that's sort of um, put a lot of people off, but he's probably the spring type over the distance that can sort of this, – this might be his grand final. This might be his the race he's, uh, he's put in the book to win. Um and then I have to mention a master of wine. Um, I said to myself, I'm going to be on this horse every run, this prep. Really big push for me is the trial during race week. I think you see a lot of these Hawks horses, the good ones, they trial the week of their race, and I think it's a very good recipe. Uh, cracking first up record, um, has won five from six with the blinkers on, gets that on Saturday. Going to have to have a saver on master of wine, but my main bet is um, fierce impact at the $16 current quote. 16 bucks if you don't mind mate i think you'll be back on uh punters panel on radio if that gets up and i might be looking for a new podcast partner because you'll be way above my league if that launches at 16 dollars. so just quickly running through your three best at randwick again um so we got race four dang gazelle um race five special reward and in the feature of the day the wink stakes the group one race seven um fierce impact Beautiful. Now, speaking of Group 1s, let's uh, focus our attention now on some futures bets 
to keep all the punters at home happy. Uh, we've chosen, the way we've done this, punters is, and, and listeners, is we've chosen five uh, big group ones coming up this spring, two in Sydney and three in Melbourne. Uh, and we're going to be telling you, with a bit of reasoning as well, our selection uh, in the futures market for all of them. Mate, we may as well start with the Sydney ones, Dino, seeing we're on uh, just off the back of our Ramwick preview. And there's no better one to start with than the Golden Rose coming up not too far away either. So I've I've got one in the Golden Rose here at a bit of odds that I like, but I want to hear yours first. Who are you leaning towards in the Golden Rose? I think this is the probably my favourite race of the spring in Sydney. Um, I think a lot of people probably call me out over this. I've got a bit of a love affair with this horse, but I just think he's a proper group one horse. Um, and that is Overlord, currently at the $19 um, in the futures market. His last start, even though he didn't um, produce a win, I think he was around the right horses. I think uh, that Rothfire form, I think if he gets a, gets a nice running transit in that race, I think he probably beats or gets within half a length of Rothfire. Um, Peltzer form is the best three-year-old form going around. I think at the quote, the only sort of query there is, will they go there with Overlord? So he's the one I'm keen to look into, the Golden Rose. Another one I'll mention, I think you get a lot, lot better price. Race day is the horse that dominated last week is North Pacific. I think his current price is ridiculous. I think he'll double that by the time we get race day. And I think that always keep in the back of mind is out of sight, out of mind. But there, that's my sort of two that I'm looking for for the Golden Rose. Um, who do you sort of like in that race? Uh, I don't know if it's one of your particular favourite races, but I'm sure you have a, a nice one sitting up your sleeve. Well, mate, we actually probably should have st- spoken about this in length before we came on air because I've also picked Overlord at $26. So I don't have much more to add than what you've just added there. I'm, I'm keen on Overlord as well. I think if he goes to the race, there's, no, there's absolutely no chance he starts $26. I'd say he starts single figures. Uh, and, and yeah, just literally going off the back of everything you've said there, mate, Overlord is uh, the play for me in the Golden Rose. You, you're quite correct in that uh, because I'm very Melbourne-focused, I don't have a uh, huge understanding of a lot of horses in the in the market, but I saw Overlord there at $26. I was with him last prep, thought he was really unlucky, and um, if he went there, he, he's much shorter than $26, I'll tell you that. Moving on to uh, the biggest... And uh, in question, best race of uh, the Sydney Carnival, the Everest. Now, three horses already locked in to run. Uh, Nature Strip in futures markets, a $2.80 favourite, which is just insane. It's like the race is being run tomorrow. So hopefully you haven't gone for uh, Nature Strip after I've just bundled off there. But uh, who are your thoughts for futures in the Everest? Um, I think it'll get a lot easier once we figure out which three-year-olds have sort of come back better and which three-year-olds sort of haven't. Um, we couldn't have scripted this any better. I think Nature Strip is the horse I want to be on early doors, but leaning towards a three-year-old I'm keen to back, I think Rothfire or Peltzer. I think they're the two three-year-olds who can come out and win this race. They're going to challenge Nature Strip on pace in those races and sort of get the run of the race off his back. So, the one time he sort of got beat was when um, last prep was obviously when he sort of ran out of gas uh, over that trip down in the Flemington Strait. So if we get three or four horses, they're going to try challenging for the uh, for the speed. 
if they can challenge him, that is. I think that he that will sort of be his undoing. But early doors, he couldn't have stripped this any better. I have to be with Nature Strip. Um, tell me sort of why why you want to be with him. I know you probably have a different guide on him um, from doing most of the form down in Melbourne. Um, what do you like about him the most? Look, without a doubt, the horse to beat. Everyone's came out and said that. Everyone's seen it from his trials. Uh, and, and his runs last prep, especially the one down the straight, um, really, really back to the nature strip that we all want there and we want to be there. My thing is, and you've already kind of mentioned it there, was that if something challenges him in the lead, which I think they're going to have to, now that he's come out and trialled so well uh, and looks such a force and he's now so short in a futures market, you're not going to be able to go out there on race day in the Everest and just give him a picnic in front. So, you're going to have to go at him and, and and pester him. Something's going to have to go at him and pester him anyway. Whatever else is up on speed with, you've got no other choice. You cannot, simply cannot give him a picnic in front. I've gone for trekking. Uh, 21 bucks. Hasn't got a slot yet, but would be surprised if it doesn't. Ran third in the race last year, uh, and it was cut, it was a week off a sclarchy win down in Melbourne where it won really well. Came up here the next week, straight in the Everest, ran third. It was a great effort. It since uh, then went to the Autumn Carnival and won the Goodwood down in Adelaide. So it's a Group 1 winner. My thing, and this, and it's hard, obviously, because I'm trying to already predict how the race is going to be run and we're a long way out. But if, if something goes and takes on Nature Strip in the lead and they pester him and that's the only way to bring him undone, I think, then Trekking is going to be stalking that speed uh, right off them if he, if he gets a slot. And I just think for a, for a place getter in the Everest last year, $21, uh, is the way that I wanted to lean uh, there. But, you, it, you know, you make a strong case. Nature Strip, he looks great uh, and, and will definitely be hard to get past. Now, moving on to the Melbourne features, and uh, I thought we'd start with the Caulfield Cup. Great race, the Caulfield Cup. I was there two years ago. A lot of fun down in uh, in Melbourne. Hopefully, there is some kind of crowd or, or, you know, atmosphere going on by the time it comes back. We have our fingers crossed uh, and thinking of all those people down in Melbourne, of course. In the Caulfield Cup, mate, I'm going to go with uh, Master of Wine, who obviously uh, could be a lot shorter or a lot longer in the futures markets, depending on what happens this weekend at Randwick. I've always been a massive fan, massive, massive fan of Master of Wine. The last time we saw it, it was running fourth in the Queen Elizabeth Group 1. It had a wide run. It was an awful run in transit uh, and just kept fighting really hard through the line. Obviously, no match for a day, very elegant, etc. cetera. Um, but for the run it had in transit, thought it was absolutely massive. I think they'll go on a Caulfield Cup path. Uh, another horse I'm going to mention soon when we move to the Cox Plate, who's going that way, is the reason I think that they will go to the Caulfield Cup with Master of Wine, just to try and avoid uh, a certain runner possibly. But, uh, yeah, as I said, big fan, really keen to see how he goes at Randwick this Saturday, uh, and he's currently an $8 favourite. If we don't get any imports as well, there's no way he starts $8 come race time if he goes there, which I think he will. So, for me, Caulfield Cup Futures, Master of Wine, get on. How about you? Um, I find this probably the hardest of the three majors down in um, Melbourne for the spring. I rattled around, tried to find something I could give a big push, but what I came up with is a question for yourself and the family with the new purchase of uh, Dashing Willoughby. 
I heard that you sort of put all the pennies, all the money banks together and brought this, this bloke over from overseas. So can you give me anything on the horse or anything like that? I think a few people might even take it that you've actually bought the horse. But I just thought it was an absolute piss take that there's a horse <laughs> horse. I told you to keep this one under wraps, mate. No one's supposed to know. This is the biggest no, biggest rod I've ever planned in my life, bringing this thing over to win. No, look, I've, I've, I'll just skip quickly here. I've put it in as my futures bet for the Melbourne Cup because I thought it would be rude not to. Uh, obviously, when I saw its name pop up, I had to do a bit of research because I, I did have a good laugh. Um, it's not that bad of a horse, mate. It's actually pretty good. It beat cross-counter over 3,200 metres uh, on the 5th of July in, uh, in, in the UK. It's actually running on, I think it'll be Saturday or Sunday morning, our time in a race still back in the UK, and then it will make the journey uh, over here to Australia to compete in the Melbourne Futures. But if you do just a quick look at its form, apart from the fact that it's a very funny name, it's actually not a bad horse, and I give it a genuine chance uh, in the Melbourne Cup. Obviously, that's what they'd be coming over for uh, in total. That's not to say they won't run in the Caulfield Cup, uh, but I think the Melbourne Cup would be their final aim. It's twenty six bucks in the Melbourne Cup. Did you have a price there on it in the Caulfield Cup? Did you know what price? Um, it was around that twenty one dollar yeah. quote. I'm pretty sure. I know it was definitely in the twenties. But um, yeah, I just thought it was an absolute laugh that there's a horse uh, with the same name as you. And I'm expecting come race day, Caulfield Cup, Melbourne Cup, that that nice little text message might do the rounds and end up uh, the next sort of uh, text message. Mate, I won't be making the podcast the next week if it wins, I can tell you that. I will be missing in action. Uh, who did you think for the Melbourne Cup moving on to, on, on to that one, the big one of the, the big one? That's probably uh, – this one's probably the one I'm most keen on in the futures market is Surprise Baby. I think the run, the more and the more you look at that run last year's Melbourne Cup, I think if you get the slightest, uh, slightest pace or tempo increase up front, I think – he wins and he wins well. That run was absolutely huge. Closed well from the back off a, a very, very slow tempo. Um, currently $11. I think you'll start within that $5 quote come come Melbourne Cup day. Um, obviously, the camp have done the, the sort of the right thing and, and missed the autumn just to save the weight there. Um, I think you sort of still got to make sure the horse comes back and he's in the same form as last year. But if he turns up in that same form, we don't get too many imports. I think he has to has to be favourite come race day. Um, and I think the $11 price right now, if you're keen on his runoff last year, I think you'd be silly not to take that right now. Um, the whole fact that it's been there, done that already for Surprise Baby is a massive uh, help, especially in a race like a Melbourne Cup. If you've, if you've been there and done it already and you go back there, uh, that counts for a lot, I think. Um, in terms Definitely. of how performance goes on the day. Who do you lean towards there, mate, in the Melbourne Cup? Um, well, I had, I had Dashing Willoughby, uh, as I said, but I, I'm not opposed to Surprise Baby either. Uh, I don't think uh, Master of Wine will see the distance if it goes, so I'm happy to be against it at the moment. That's just a bit of a guess, but I'm, I'm fairly sure uh, that it won't see out the trip. So, yeah, Dashing Willoughby and Surprise Baby for me, not unlike you. Now, the Cox Plate, this is this is uh, the biggest one here for me. Copped a bit of stick already because I brought it up a few weeks ago on Twitter that I thought it would win the Caulfield Cup. And although the trainer still hasn't said anything, I copped an absolute lambasting and everyone's saying, no, it's going to the Cox Plate, it's going to the Cox Plate. 
So I've, I've, I've folded, I've given in, uh, and I'm making it now my futures bet for the Cox Plate. That's Russian Camelot. It's 11 bucks. In I think, so I'm struggling to get the words out here because this is how much of an obsession I have with this horse. It's the best staying horse uh, in Australia, hands down. Hands down. Best staying horse in Australia. Don't think anything beats it uh, no matter where it goes. So even if it does go to a Caulfield Cup, bang, it's my futures bet there as well. Mate, it won, an, it won a South Australian Derby off no prep at all. Sat wide with cover at the back and put them away like they were nailed to the fence. Yeah, look, probably going to be a harder field in the Cox Plate. But the way that it won that off, off no prep, hardly any lead-up runs, only a limited amount of lead-up work to come out there and win like that, absolute superstar. It's two jump outs uh, so far just recently have been outstanding against short-distance horses, keeping up with them like, you know, they're nothing. It's such, such a good horse. Really excited to follow its spring prep. Think it wins the Cox Plate if it goes there. If it goes the Caulfield Cup, which I first thought, it will win that as well. It will win a Group 1 this spring. I cannot be more certain about it. What did you think for the Cox Plate? Are you? Do you have my encouragement for Russian Camelot? You could dead set so many things with that, um, with that chat about the horse. I think you, you're on the right path definitely with that horse. Benchmark 64 to a Group 1 next start. I, think, I don't think any horse has sort of done that, especially in the staying ranks. And the way you sort of... He did the win. He didn't just win. He, he won with a leg in the air. He won quite easily. And that turn of foot, especially in stays, that's what you look for. That's what you get told to look for, that, that burst of acceleration late sort of can get all horses that get strung up in these tricky uh, tricky can't get the words out, tricky position. They can sort of get out of that position with that acceleration. So definitely can't knock that horse at all. But I'm going with a horse who's on a different prep uh, this time in. Um, was stuck to the shorter trips last start and had a crack at a race called the Everest, but Arcadia Queen um, <clears throat> loved the return last week. I think a lot would knock that performance, but they absolutely crawled in that race and she was definitely the best of the closers there. Um, I think she'll flog anything that comes by her way next start and I think she'll build perfectly into a Cox Plate. I'm um, definitely keen to be on her, the $15 current quote in the overs market, um, uh, the futures market, sorry. I do concede uh, Russ and Camelot's probably the better out of the two, but have a lot of time for this girl. And I think with the right prep and the right distance and this time in, she can go a long, long way. Yeah, 100%. Well, there is a quick look at our futures bets, uh, punters, for the spring. Five good races there, five races we're really keen to see. Uh, let us know as well uh, on, on, on Twitter what your thoughts are for these big races uh, and a few other futures markets that are there as well. We'd love to know your thoughts on uh, who's going to be the star of the spring. Now, not to be upstaged by Randwick, mate. There's some racing at the Valley this weekend, and there's some okay racing at the Valley this weekend. Yeah, it looks like a, a definitely a nice card. Um, I think there's a couple of good good races there. Um, it, the track's currently rated a heavy eight. The rail's out in the five-minute position. Um, <clears throat> done the sort of vice versa with Sydney with the heavy track there. Um does look a nice card. I think there's a couple of particular races that I'm, I'm keen to look into and I'm keen to get your insight into them. Um, I thought the track played outstanding um, in the last meeting. Um, query's out, query is out to how it plays Saturday, but first look, I think, looks to be a nice meeting and um, keen to get your thoughts. We'll move into your first bet of the day. Um, it comes up in the opener, so we're keen to get the cash nice and early, build a little bank and then sort of launch into later. So, 
First bet comes up in the race one. Who have you got for us? Mate, I'm going for the number four coming around in the open. Now, of all the short-priced favourites on the card this Saturday, I'm more inclined to lean towards coming around here in the open. And just because I think uh, with that weather possibly coming during the day on Saturday, the track will start to really uh, chop up as the day progresses. I've got a more certain idea of how it will play in races one and two compared to how it will play later on in the day if it rains uh, there's going to be a lot more uh, kind of queries on, on how it works. So of all the short price favourites uh, this weekend, I thought coming around was the best. Uh, now, he, he's third up here. He was really, really good winning last start at Flemington over the 1,400 metres. Had a great run in behind the leader uh, until the turn when just ran out of room. It was a bit of heart and mouth stuff actually for a while. Looked in trouble, needed to get out. It did get out, and once it did, let down really well. Straight past Laburnum, who's a quality galloper. Uh, coming around broke uh, the 12-second barrier for the last 200-meter split. That was lengths and lengths better than the three-year-old 1,400-meter race earlier that day. Uh, so it was a really good performance. And the fact that he, he didn't get out till late either adds more merit to his ability to break the 12-second barrier. So I thought it was really good. Uh, out to 16 or out to 1,523 meters here should be no issue. And nor is the, uh, the wet track. Hopefully, as I said by this early point of the morning, it's not as wet as it will be. So happy to be with coming around here. Should be able to sit in the 1-1 one, one, uh, or thereabouts and just be too strong for this small field. Odeon and Alsvin are probably the ones that go forward. So from barrier five coming around should just slot really nicely into that 1-1 one, one position. Now, the other one I do quickly want to mention here, if the rain uh, comes a bit earlier and the track looks quite wet by the start of the day, that's Widgy Turf. Now, I was with Widgy Turf uh, last start down the straight in a listed race. It was it was only fair, but I could – maybe I'm being a bit biased here because I tipped it, but I can make some excuses. It was caught uh, towards the inside of the track, which I don't think was the greatest place for it. Um, and it just – you know what? It probably did enough. It probably just did enough first up. Uh, Widgy Turf's Mooney Valley stats are unbelievable. Four starts at the track and trip for two wins uh, and two placings. And his second up record, likewise, really good. Five starts, second up for two wins and two placings. Uh, does have a slightly awkward map from Barrier 2. Uh, could be stuck on the inside. Maybe that's the worst going. But, yeah, if, if that track is really looking quite uh, worse for wear early on in the day, Widgie Turf uh, could be over the odds. I've got him marked at about the 540 mark. But in the opener here, race one, number four, coming around pretty confident. Yeah, I like uh, I like what you mentioned there with Widgie Turf. I think definitely forgive last start. Uh, both winners down the straight that day came towards the outside fence and he was stuck up that inside. The query I have with coming around is the price. Um, what would your suggestion be? Take take the dollar eighty on offer at the moment or are we waiting till, say, race morning where there's pro- possibly some scratchings? Uh, what sort of do we do there? What price and when should we take I I think you'll get better. I think you'll get better price. Uh, it bottomed out uh, at about that dollar eighty mark. Uh, some bookies are already pushing it back out to a dollar eighty-five. Look, I'm not trying to steer everyone into a you know super odds-on quote like a nuffy, but um, I do think it's hard to beat. I think you will get a better price, barring scratchings. Obviously, uh, scratchings come race morning could be a huge problem for its price if it was to shorten up. So uh, keep that in mind, and there may be scratchings because of this heavy, but I just think it has to just drift a touch from $1.80 uh, 
uh, could get close to an even money quote. Perfect. Um, moving on now to your second bet of the day. Um, comes up in race seven, and I had to look at our little run-through sheet um, a couple of times here to see if you actually made a mistake with the gallop you've gone on top. Huge odds. Um, what do you like? So I've gone with Dexalation here, the three. Now, obviously, as we know, the seven windstorm, uh, the Bob Peters, Bob Peters colours for Pikey, first up here in Melbourne from Perth. Is a pretty short favourite at the moment. I think it's at about that two dollar mark now. It has to drift. I'm I'm a hundred percent certain that uh, that windstorm will drift. It doesn't have the greatest heavy form. Uh, it's going to get back from its wide barrier thirteen. And if you look at its replays uh, in in Perth, although it's rating so much higher than anything else in this race, I don't doubt that for a second. It's definitely the best horse. But you just see that its racing pattern is that it gets you know, midfield or beyond, and it just takes a while to wind up and click through its gears. Last start at Belmont when it beat Massimo as a $1.20 favourite. Only just got there on the line uh, and, and just takes a little while to get through it, get through its gears, which for mine is not a good Mooney Valley racing style. You need to be up and rolling and top gear on the turn because you don't have long till that finish line approaches. So I've gone for Dexalation at the price. Uh, I just think it's an each-way play. Seventh up into into this prep, it's really fit. It's going to be really forward, especially by race seven. If, if, it's a, if it's a proper heavy track by that stage of the day, you've got a really fit and forward horse here who's one for one on heavy. Uh, it comes off a win last start at this track and distance. It was really good, I thought. Sat midfield, if you watch the replay, gets absolutely smacked on the turn by the horse outside it and inside it. Uh, and normally when that happens, when you're watching the races and these horses get just folded on the turn, uh, they're likely to just give up and kind of plot in behind midfield. But this horse picked itself back up again, hit the front and held on really, really well through the line. Beat Wilmot Pass, uh, Titan Blinders, Scottish Rogue. Uh, it, it was a good race, to be quite honest. Obviously, Wilmot Pass came out Wednesday, unfortunately didn't perform, but there was a few excuses there as well. So it was a good race. I thought that it won. Sticks to the track and distance. That really helps. The claim for Lockie Nindorf helps as well. And in a race of this nature, looking at the speed map here, from barrier six, I'd say it positions itself a touch more forward as well than it did last start. So that uh, if it's, you know, it could even be outside the lead or just in behind the leaders there, I think that's a really good position for it. As I said, soft heavy is the preferred track condition. Uh, so that's no worry at all. If it can sneak a bit of a margin on the turn on this favourite who's going to need to wind up, uh, I'm confident that Dexalation could uh, at least run a place for you at Big Odds. So as I said, go each way, definitely go each way. But if we can just sneak a margin on the favourite, uh, Dexalation is the way that I'm going to be attacking this race. Now, mate, I have to ask you, and I think half the Twitter um, followers will join me on this. You copped a lot of stick last week on the socials for your for your comments. Potting Pike is right in the last on showman. We're swept to the lead and uh, crewed away. I'm just wondering, do you have a sister or do you have something? What what has he done to you? Has he messaged your sister? <laughs> it has to be a little bit of beef. It, it, it sounds perfect. Uh, it sounds personal. So no, what, what's that? I am I am now uh, uh, after the flack I caused. My comment is now I am number one uh, subscriber to the Pikey Fan Club. I love the bloke. He can never do any wrong. <laughs> Never done anything wrong, in fact. And uh, for the sake of <laughs> the sake of my sanity, 
I uh, am not going to be commenting any further on anything to do with William Pike. My thing was that day, I just thought that the horse got him over the line a bit. Uh, but when, he, when I went and watched the stewards replay, he did have cover back in that three-wide position. I do concede there wasn't much more he could have done. Um, but I just think, look, if he lost, he only beat, I uh, can't remember the horse he beat. You'll have to do your own research there, but not a not a, not an overly good horse. For, so for people talking about that pikey horse to be you know, real group one quality, if it goes down ahead to that horse that finished second, I think you, there might be a bit more discussion on the ride. But forgetting that, forgetting that, I think he will need to be on his absolute A game here in this race, Pikey, from Barrier 13. Obviously, again, uh, scratchings will really help him. Bringing it to a smaller field, I think, would really help him. But it, at the field size we have now, barring scratchings, he's going to need a bit of luck. So for me, 1,200 metres, benchmark 90, race 7, Dexalation number 3, each way. Perfect, mate. Hopefully we can get a, a nice price there come race day. Uh, moving on to your third and final bet of the day comes up in race eight. Looks a very competitive field, this, and there looks to be a couple of really speeds, uh, really speeds here. Um, I'm expecting a really, really hot tempo. And um, tell me how you sort of you you felt the race will get run here, and um, who you, who you keen to lean on. Yeah, mate, can't agree, can't agree more. I think uh, looking at the speed map here, as you said, it's a thousand meters listed race. It's the Carolyn Stakes, uh, Jungle Edge, and Witherspoon drawn nine and eight. They have very similar um, average early speed figures. I expect them to roll forward. Uh, actually, not so much roll forward, be pushed forward. I expect Ollie uh, to be very aggressive out the gates. If you look at the replay of Witherspoon's last run down in Sydney, it was a bit tardy. Uh, out of the barriers and just had to work a bit up on speed, probably the reason that it got done in the end behind Space Boy. Now that Ollie's on, very, very strong rider. He will get it out the gates and get it up there, as will uh, Jay DeRose on Jungle Edge. He knows no other way but to go up on speed. Uh, and I think the thing with Jungle Edge is here, 1,000 metres, heavy track. He's backing in trip. They will want to go handlebars down on speed and hope that they can just get everyone else out of the comfort zone. Uh, and try and hold on. So for that reason, and my bet here was largely actually based off this speed map, I've gone for the two, great again, uh, who's drawn barrier one here, rock hard fit, sixth up into the prep, uh, and it comes off a really, the whole prep actually has been excellent, comes off a really good uh, run, last start over 1,200 metres at Flemington in group three level behind home of the brave, really gallant second, uh, I listened to Lindsay Smith on radio this morning, RSN, uh, and he said that uh, he just didn't expect – it was rated a soft seven that day at, at Caulfield uh, – at Flemington, sorry. And But the f- part of the track that Great Again found was more close to a soft five, he said. So uh, Great Again really needs those wet conditions uh, and maybe just found the wrong part of the track down the straight at Flemington. He ran a 33.19 last 600 metres. That's lightning quick. Uh, on a wet track, so I really thought his run was great. Uh, now he's won on a heavy eight fresh, so you know he's going to be able to handle the wet. Uh, and if he lets Witherspoon and Jungle Edge go hard in the lead, I think from barrier one, um, uh, Michael Rod will just be able to pop off the fence there, which is going to be an absolute must. He's going to need to get off the fence by this time of the day. If he can let eight and uh, nine and one jungle legend Witherspoon go go crazy in front, he pops off the fence, gets into a one-one position, and he's able to just stalk that tempo and hopefully run them down late. The only concern is back to a thousand meters. He's untried 
at the distance, but he's fit, he's rock hard fit, he's forward. Uh, and Lindsay was quietly confident on his chances, especially if that rain comes. The more rain, the merrier. So I had him marked uh, great again at about a 550 quote. I'm pretty sure he's currently longer uh, with most bookies and on the fair as well. So even another one here, you might be able to go a little each way, have something on the place as well just to cover. But uh, yeah, keen, keen here. Uh, it did my head in uh, this race a little bit, but race eight, number two, great again. I'm, I'm, I'm keen to have a play. Yeah, definitely looks to get a nice run behind that speed, like you said. What do we do with Brooklyn Hustle here? Um, I think the query's out. First up win was outstanding, but um, did that last prep as well. Could be a dead set valley horse, and I don't think um, she'll get a better um, tempo or a better race set up than Saturday with the mountain speed up front. Um, just not sure, like you said, if it's going to be the part of the track you want, if you want to be coming down the outside or you want to be coming from behind, especially on this sort of bog track. How did you sort of read her chances. Yeah, well, there's already yarn going around that they'll scratch anyway if it's a heavy. So that could save us all a bit of time. Don't get uh, completely agree. First up, win, outstanding. Uh, as you said, did it last prep as well on debut. It's it's definitely a talented horse who's got those flashes of brilliance. Uh, my problem is gets back last heavy track if it runs. Barrier two, just from a map position here, doesn't work. Uh, even on even on dry tracks when it gets back and maps like it does, needs a ton of luck. Last start, the win was really impressive, but you watch it around the turn. The saloon passage just opened for it. Like it was a blessing from the gods, mate. You've I've seen a lot of times at uh, Valley, especially in group ones, figure dolphin horses, won't mention any names, where it can go seriously wrong if you're caught up back on the fence and you just don't get that space to come through. So it's hard in mouth stuff with Brooklyn Hustle. I think they'll scratch anyway if it's heavy, saves us all the trouble. But uh, if it does run, especially at the price it is now, happy to be against Brooklyn Hustle. Perfect, mate. Looks like a cracking day there. Hopefully the rain stays away and we sort of get an improving track. Plays nice and fair. Um, we'll just go through your three bets one more time so the listeners can get the pens out and write them down. So starting from the top. Yep, starting from the top, race one, number four, coming around, getting the cash bright and early. Then uh, the next two are at a bit of each way plays. Race seven, number three, Dexalation. All the South Australian listeners will be happy with that one as well, obviously being a SA horse. And uh, race eight in the Carolyn Stakes, number two, great again. They're my three for the Valley. Perfect. That wraps up a beautiful meeting at uh, Mooney Valley. Um, we'll move on. We'll wrap this up. We'll end the program with two cracking segments. Um, we're going to continue these throughout the spring with our get-out stakes, uh, finding a nice winner around the country in the last race. And the one I'm most keen about is the $100 challenge, um, Dean versus Lewis, who can sort of end the spring. $100 to bet in each group one throughout the spring and who can end up on top with the most money towards the end. That's it. Nothing better than a bit of... Uh podcast host rivalry i say for the get out stakes mate just firstly i've been in really good form with it in our practice podcast and a few people would have seen on twitter as well i've picked the last uh two i had handsome return in the catherine cup last week and i had jardin rouge at uh, durban the week before so i've been going really well here in the preseason and now the pressure is squarely on in round one to step up and perform again so I've 
I'm taking listeners out to the Gold Coast, race eight, number nine, statuesquely. Uh, it's a Sydney horse, uh, not ex-Sydney. I think it's still under the care of Waller or, or something. Do your own research there. They've sent it up to, uh, to Queensland, obviously, to find a drier track, and they get one. His form on drier track is good. His first up stats are good. Never came up last prep, but every single run was on a rain-affected track. And uh, I'm tipping Gold Coast Race 8, number 9, statuesquely. Might be a little sneaky one. Big, big improver for a little blast out in the last. Now, mate, what about you? Playing home ground in the get-out? Yeah, I love to play the home ground advantage. I think um, hasn't played me that much luck the last couple of weeks, but I think we're on the right track. I think you might have peaked a little bit early in the preseason where I'm building perfectly for round one. I've gone uh, Ramwick, race nine, Bowdestonna. Um, love this girl. I think she's got huge upside. Always comes up a nice price, um, ultra consistent. I think her last start run was absolutely huge. Uh, she got back in that run when I think the last four races were run won by leaders or those on pace. Dipped badly twice in the straight there, and um, I'm surprised that she found the line. Um, she had to come off the back around the 200-meter mark, um, veer wide, and then find again on the heavy track. I think that has huge merit to pick themselves back up. $5, that's a nice price. Um, back on an improving track. The barrier one's a slight query. Um, hoping she can land sort of that uh, one pair back defence or even get back to the wards the outside. Um, but I'm going with Ramwick Race 9, about a stoner. That's good. About a $4.80 quote there in the last. Hopefully, hopefully we don't need uh, a get out per se by that time. Hopefully this is just a little cherry on top for a good Saturday night celebration. Now, mate, moving on to our little last segment here, the $100 Group 1 Challenge. Me versus you. Talk us through who you will be spending your lime on in the wink stakes. Okay, I've got three uh, plays in the race. I think it's an absolutely cracking race, um, but I think you need to go wide in this. So what I've done, I've gone $50 the win on Fierce Impact, $40 the win on Master of Wine, and the big ruffie of the field that I'm keen to spec, and I think if we get a track that plays uh, run-on horses, we're going to get a nice tempo up in front. And from barrier eight, I think he'll sit a lot closer in the run. And I think you just got to go back to his last start where he absolutely rattled home at Doomden to just miss. And that horse is nicking over. So I think I'll have 50 on the win, fierce impact, 40 on the win, march of wine, a little $10 saver on uh, Nikonova. How did you see it, mate? Um, <clears throat> competitive field. So obviously we're going to go wide, but what's your bet for the $100 challenge? That's it. Well, I don't want to talk up the opposition too much here, Dino, but I love the little three-bet play from you there. You know, I'm a big fan of hedging and spreading the risk. My thoughts here in the Group 1 Wink Stakes, I'm going $50 on Imaging, who I think's not a bad price, $19, Kathy O'Hara. My reasoning is here, should have possibly beaten Eduardo last start, squeezed straight on the rail in a really crucial time, and just was unable to pick itself back up. Eduardo has, has since come out and won again. Uh, so it's going to have a bit of fitness, a bit of sharpness over a few of these. Uh, and I'm tipping that uh, a little bit of a bounce back could be coming from imaging, and I couldn't let it go around at the $19 quote. My other 50 is going on the Bostonian, who is just an absolute freak of a horse racing first up, as it is here. Seven starts first up for six wins. Uh, good record at the distance. 
And most importantly, its soft form is also very, very good. Uh, I was on it last prep when it won the uh, Group 1 first up again, over 1,300 metres last prep. And so, again, another one I just cannot let go around with none of my hard-earned on. So 50 on imaging, 50 on the Bostonian. Mate, may the best man win. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll push those uh, plays out on our socials as well with the Get Out Stakes with our $100 challenge. Um, before we wrap up, mate, I've got to give a huge shout-out to Anthony Manton. Um, the way we we sent out a message to sort of get a little intro made up by him and the standard and the the intro he sent back was Group 1 um, group one effort. So cracking intro, I love it. Um, I just want to give a big shout-out to Anthony Manton for doing that out of his um, his own will. Absolutely, mate. It was a friend of the show, Anthony Manton. Not only a cracking caller, but has a big future in the podcast industry, I think. And hopefully, hopefully, uh, don't want to give too many secrets away, but uh, we'll be hearing from Anthony very soon as well. Mate, cracking first podcast. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I like to think of it as like a bit of a first date. There's a few nerves uh, before we come on air. But once you sit down and start dribbling, uh, the time goes very, very quickly, and we've had a great time. So thanks for co-hosting the podcast with me as always, Dean. Great to have you uh, with me here each week on board, mate. I'm, I'm really excited for what our future holds uh, with the clerks of the course. Hopefully everyone listening enjoyed as well and got a few winners out of it. I'll see you next week, hopefully, if we get called back for, for a round two. Hopefully a second date's on the card. But nah. Good punning, uh, good luck over the weekend and hopefully uh, a couple of wins out there for all the listeners. But, yeah, thank you for hosting and thanks for joining us.